Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Hello, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, and with me today are two gentlemen whom I've really appreciated these past several years. It's been a blessing to serve with them in leadership here at Grace and just to watch them live their lives, and that's Josh Taylor and Aaron Cook. Guys, welcome, and thanks a lot for taking the time from your schedule to join us today. Thanks, Bart. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. Well, I'm looking forward to jumping in here to the 20th chapter of Matthew. Today we'll be discussing the sermon passage from this past weekend as Tim Cockrell led us in that particular passage. And we're just beginning to notice, I, I mentioned this last week to Tim, just beginning to notice the drum beat picking up. We're, we're picking up momentum as Jesus is getting ready to enter uh, Jerusalem. He's he's approaching Jerusalem right now. It's sort of triumphal entry eve right now as we're looking here at chapter 20. And as we closed out chapter 19 with that very familiar verse in verse 30, it says, but many who are first will be last and the last first. Jesus starts in verse 20 or chapter 20. He, he really doubles down on that comment and, and we're opening it with a poignant parable. Uh, one title for this parable might be what I remember hearing from my parents 40 and 50, 50 years ago. And my mom was very good and she still is. Life isn't fair could be the title for this passage. And that's the message Jesus seems to have been given the people, wasn't he? Life isn't fair. God isn't always fair. Well, that seems to be sort of the uh, the position of the disciples and how they're understanding what Jesus is teaching about. But I think, you know, that'd be a very flawed way of understanding God and how he relates to his people. And the, the key to understanding that rightly is the starting point. You know, if we, if we start with um, understanding God as our creator and holy king over all things and acknowledge his authority in our lives— and move from him to us as people who've rebelled against him and deserve his righteous wrath, um, we realize that the good news of the gospel is overwhelming because not only has that wrath been poured out and we, we no longer receive wrath, but we actually receive every spiritual blessing in Christ, mm. right? So our, our cup is now overflowing with grace. You know, so yeah, life isn't fair, and we've received far better than we deserve. Um, but you can only understand that in the context of knowing who God is and who we are in relation to Him. Yeah, thank, and thankfully, God isn't fair in that regard. Because if He were fair, yeah, we would receive condemnation. So we're thankful for grace. And we praise should be praising God every day that we don't get what we deserve. Mm -hmm. Is what you're saying? Amen. Uh, yeah, that's so true. Uh, Tim made the following comment early in the sermon about generous grace. He said, we must be careful to reckon greatness as God reckons it. Can you comment on that? Yeah, it's, an, it's important for us to see reality and life from God's perspective. And we can get things really mixed up if we have a different definition of what greatness is. And there's a quote that was shared with me at one point that there's actually something worse than failing. It's succeeding at something that is contrary to God's heart. And uh, we, we must have God's standard of greatness. 
And we must define success like God does, which is faithfulness. In a word, it's faithfulness. He's calling us to be faithful. And that, that makes me think of a, a, a couple passages, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I p- appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We are, we are called to present our bodies as living sacrifices. And then as it relates to, to, to leadership, um, 1 Corinthians 4, 2 uh, comes to mind. It says, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful, that... Um, God has given us responsibilities, and we need to have the right target of what is His target, and we're, we're called to be found faithful. We're, we're, not, we're stewards, we're not owners, and called to be not just appear faithful, but found faithful upon investigation. Yeah, and I'm, I, you know, we are swimming in a culture that defines greatness in the completely opposite direction, mm-hmm. you know, where greatness is defined as achievement or authority or status or money and you know jesus became poor to make others rich um jesus was slandered and slaughtered to save us right so i mean the pathway to the cross and the pathway to greatness in the kingdom of god is completely contrary to what the world prizes and teaches and you know, just by living in this in this in this world, we absorb that, mm-hmm. and so Jesus's words cut maybe even more deeply because of that. Um, just knowing that we are influenced beyond what we realize um, by our culture and surrounding values, and what Jesus is describing here is so radically countercultural that it's it's really difficult to to come to terms with and embody. I think I know you both well enough to be able to say that you desire to be excellent in your work, to do excellence. Uh, you want to you want to present God's work in a very positive uh, light and the results of your work for Him in a positive light. Let's talk a little bit about that rub, and because it is it, it permeates it's it's in our culture and it certainly. We're like a sponge and we soak it up mm. and it's very easy for me anyway in my vocational work or my work with the church to think, okay, that really went well. Praise the Lord. And boy, didn't I do well. How do you work with that? How do you work in that? Uh, you both are in very public types of positions uh, vocationally and, and uh, here in the church. How do you deal with that? Because I'm guessing you probably deal with the same thing. Yeah, I I felt that exact thing that you just described, um, and I think for me a couple things come to mind. Um, one is I'm often balanced off by balanced out by the failures as well and the, the right. difficulties, you know, there are hard things that happen. You have to own both of them. Yeah, right? yeah, both yes. both happening. So you take them both, but praise God, there there are successes, and and often. Uh, ministry successes that you see lives changed or you just see good things happening. And uh, for me, just a regular reminder to quickly pray immediately afterwards and thank God for that, um, realizing that that wasn't my doing, that was His. Mm. And I think just that sort of disposition helps 
curb against that temptation to to take credit for it. And Josh, you and I, I don't think you were there, Aaron, but you and I had the opportunity just a few hours ago as we're recording this to be in a funeral. And as funerals go, it was beautiful. It Mm -hmm. was wonderful. Mm -hmm. We have a, a gentleman in our congregation who collapsed on Wednesday. We had the funeral today. The three children were up there. They were celebrating their father. Yeah. And one of the things that uh, one of the three children, or maybe it was the uh, nephew who spoke, was that there was an audience of one for Larry. And it wasn't his wife. It wasn't the three children. It wasn't everybody around the church. And I know that to be true. You and I, we all knew Larry. The fact of the matter is, that's what we have to do, right? We have to have an audience of one. And I don't know that I could say it any better than they said it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And these, this is a, it's great to have examples like that who have gone before us for the, for us to, to watch and walk alongside and be trained by. And, uh, and we've got to also, for me, I've got to constantly be assessing my heart on this and asking myself, am I trying to build my own kingdom or his? And I, I, I think, unfortunately, that there are times, at least in my heart, maybe I'm not as bold as uh, the sons of Zebedee's mother or, or them, <laughs> um, but I've got to assess my heart. And, and I think there, there are many, and we look out into, uh, into the ministry world who have some of this philosophy. And I remember early on when I was in seminary, and I got, I was convicted after I was teaching a Bible lesson, and uh, I'm not sure anybody understood anything that I was saying, including myself. And I, I remember walking out and the Lord saying, so why did you teach that? Did, did you teach that so that people would think well of you, that you're intelligent? Or did you teach that for God's glory so that people could learn? And uh, that, that was a convicting moment that I'll never forget. And I use those sorts of things to try to evaluate my own heart and and just ask and, and then sometimes my heart is confusing mm-hmm. and uh, you know it, am i enjoying ministry or am i seeking to be enjoy being made much of and i think in those moments we've got to say lord take this sacrifice make it pleasing and honoring to you and may you be honored by it and help me just to be faithful well, and that you know that reminds me of something I, I've heard you often say, Aaron, and that is, we also need people around us who aren't impressed by us. Mm, yep. You know, who are going to be able to pull You've us. You've got aside. two right here, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed by you. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but um, to have those people who are going to be able to see through, uh, see through you. And ask those questions because really trying to decide, you know, am I building my kingdom or God's from a distance, it's going to, it can be really hard to discern that in Mm -hmm. someone else's life because they could look very similar from an outward appearance. And that's where we need close friends who are walking with us and asking us heart questions and and able to perceive that because we know as as much as anyone how deceptive our hearts can be. And that we would be the sort of people that would invite those sort of questions and actually see them as loving. Yeah. 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 That's and, helpful. And let's face it, we need to be those types of individuals who go out and speak into when we see something. I've had yes. those individuals speak to me and challenge mm-hmm. me on some things. I needed it. And, May that uh, be, start continue to permeate our church family uh, culture, that, that we would really struggle alongside one another, as Paul puts it in Colossians 1. Uh, 28 and 29, for each other's joy and maturity in Christ, that we might present one another mature. Yeah. 
Well, let, let's take this a step further. I, I mentioned before you you both have fairly public ministries uh, vocationally and uh, here within the church. And uh, Jesus says very bluntly there in verses 26 and 27, he says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. What we, We've talked about some things uh, ethereally that, that we should be doing. Can you give examples yourselves of certain things that you have employed in your in your lives? Maybe it's some some things, but we've already talked about. What are some specific circumstances, instances, or some specific things that you've built into your life, disciplined into your life, so that you don't get those false ideas of grandeur about Josh, about Aaron? Yeah, I, you know, I've been very blessed to see this modeled well in my life. Um, my dad's a pastor and, uh, my parents are the kinds of people who, uh, you know, they, my dad pastors a a very small church and, uh, there's a lot of things that need to happen. And it was pretty often happening by my parents. So I, I, I saw them from a young age embodying that just no job beneath them. Cleaning the toilets. Yep. Yep. Whatever was needed, folding the bulletins and shoveling the sidewalk to get into the church, whatever it might be. And uh, even the first church I was I was pastoring at, the, the lead pastor embodied that um, even more so. Uh, he, you know, he was in his 60s and been there for a long time, and yet he was the one who was first there for the, the church work day. You know, he was the one who was helping anyone moving, you know, across town or out of town. He was there unloading the U-Haul. He was, he would take me places to go, we got to help this elderly couple do this or whatever. And, you know, he just, he just did it. And, and you know, I've tried to, to do the same thing. And, and um, I, I can't think of anything beyond just when you see the opportunity to try and do it if you can, because, um that that's how we prevent that kind of attitude setting in of uh well I don't need to do that someone else will well why not why can't you do it and um I've been very fortunate to see that modeled well great yeah we were uh, a friend of mine well uh, Jeremy Kimball was talking about in our ABF this last week that's an adult about, bible fellowship oh yeah sorry about that yeah <laughs> us and our acronym we're acronyms trying to get here. away from acronyms yes uh, thanks for that help there um and, and and Jeremy talked about, it was a quote from another individual, I think, but that if we have eyes and ears for it, we will never lack for ministry opportunities. And I can really resonate with uh, uh, your growing up and, and having those uh, relationships and, and role models in your life, because praise the Lord, I had that too. And I can remember of one specific situation, uh, my, my parents modeled that constantly all the time but there was one I also worked with my grandfather who was a veterinarian and he was also uh, owned a ranch and I worked on that ranch and I just I'll never forget there was one time when you had to clean out uh the trap drain uh that was for all of where where the cattle's poop went and uh somebody had built the drain incorrectly so it wasn't draining so you had to actually get down in there and scoop it out and me being the hired hand i should have been in there no question on the org chart i was at the bottom but no the owner my grandpa got down in there and did it and handed it to me and he said don't you ever think there's anything below your grandpa 
and there's no job below you either. And I will never forget that. Yeah. Amen. And Tim talked about an upside down org chart, organizational chart. I forget exactly how he put it. Isn't that exactly what you're talking about? Amen. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as even before you started saying that, one of the things for me is it starts in the home. Does it not? You were at yes. home of, in a home of sorts, and you saw it in your home. Uh, I would challenge any woman or man who is married, what do you not want to do? Hmm. Go do it. Bless somebody, because guess what? If you don't want to do it, probably nobody else does either. But go do it. Bless that spouse or your children. What don't you want to do for them? I There are times with doing homework with my young children. Oh, I really didn't want to. And I wasn't really good at it. It frustrated me. And they probably weren't far behind me. But <laughs> sitting with them, just listening, and taking time to do some things you don't really want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's move into that. It, it, it's hard to serve well, to, to experience the blessings of faithfulness uh, to Christ, and, and at the same time to remember that any successes that I'm seeing are not at all because of me. Uh, we deal with pride. Somebody is dealing with that. What do you tell them what was some of the first steps first things they can do when they are when they've crossed the line into that area of pride and they you know it if you don't know it you'll be convicted pretty soon by the way what are what are some things we should be doing then when we've crossed that line yeah that's that's really helpful and first of all it's hard to distinguish when we've crossed that line because like i said earlier sometimes it feels similar to enjoy doing ministry and sometimes it can easily go flow back and forth between pride and that and sometimes our hearts can be really confusing so i think um and the we also discussed this in our adult bible fellowship on sunday as a result and there were there were five uh uh, strategies that we we talked about, and I thought it was helpful. Number one, to to pray, pray for humility, pray that God would um, reveal what is actually in my heart because it can be confusing, and then He can make my ministry honoring to Him. So first of all, pray for humility and to see people like God does, and and we we see this in. I mean, it is staggering here at the end of chapter 20 where the creator and sustainer of all things and two blind men, I mean, the outcasts of society who had for socially had zero to give and, and that Jesus stops and acknowledges them and meets their needs. And uh, we can tell a lot about our own hearts depending on how we treat people that society says has nothing to give to us. So that that's a long number one, pray for humility. Number two, express thankfulness. This kills pride. If we express gratitude, you cannot be prideful and thankful and expressing gratitude at the same time. It pushes out pride. Number three, end the day with thankfulness to God. It's a great way to finish your day, that we made it through the day. It's, it's evidence of God's grace. Um, next, exalt, acknowledge that you have to sleep. Isaiah 40, because you're not God. You have to sleep because he neither sleeps nor slumbers. And then finally, think more highly of yourselves than others. Seek to serve and then verbalize in, in public. Say in public traces of God's grace in others' lives. 
and start with your spouse or your kids or your close relatives or close friends, and you you will notice that you will start to see others increasingly like God sees them, and that will start to eat away pride in your life. So those are a, a couple ways that we talked about in our great stuff uh, on Sunday. Yeah, what what do you have that you have not received, mm, right? Just starting well from that kind of disposition and you know, as you were talking through that, one thing that came to mind for me as more of a a, a potential indicator light um is you know, do you find yourself after performing some act of service in private uh, do you find yourself itching to tell others about it? <laughs> because that that's... Yeah, a, now you're meddling. You stop <laughs> preaching and go on to meddling yeah. now. now well, you're right. I only know because that's me. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, you know, where we you, all deal with it. Uh, and that's a great way to kill pride is to be able to serve privately and tell no yeah. one, right? And that and that's, goes back to the audience of one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're able to serve without telling others, that will do wonders for your ability to, to walk in humility before God. I often, uh, one of the things that I appreciate about, appreciate about certain people is that I can think of several just right now who, <clears throat> for whom no one is below them. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that, there's nobody on the street or at the coffee shop or at church that they won't talk to. And that's, that's, that's big for me and I, I really it's one thing that God has really given me a real burden to do is to be there uh, for individuals that, that's another thing I might add to your list hmm. uh, Aaron and that Agreed. is to find somebody who needs you who needs to hear your voice who needs to feel your hand on their shoulder whoever that might be and it may be just you know maybe an older person who doesn't get many he just doesn't get that much, a, a widow or a widower. It might be just somebody who just doesn't fit, doesn't feel like they fit. Mm-hmm. You know who they are, who that yeah. might be. It's, it's, sometimes, it's often not hard to find them. That's, that's helpful, Bart. And I, I, you, you hit on something that I was, I'd been thinking about, and I think it goes back to Jesus and, and uh, him stopping and oh, healing these two, two blind men. And that, I think that's a real diagnostic for our hearts. How do we respond to, to individuals that society would say doesn't have much to offer us socially? You know, how do, how do we treat individuals who are in that sort of a status? And then also, how do our hearts respond to people who seem to are, are powerful or have lots of influence? Right. How do we actually respond to them? And um, yeah, and then uh, t- to your point as well, how do we view our time here with our church family? And and I'm remembered of uh, I'm reminded of something that uh, Lori, my wife's parents, used to say to her whenever she would say, "I don't want to go to church." And they said, "Well, good. Well, it's it's not about you. Go and see who you can serve and see who you can make it better for." And I'm just so thankful for that legacy that they left with my wife. And I can't help but when you talk about the the two blind beggars. I can't help but think what Jesus didn't say to them. He didn't say, don't you know where I'm going? Hmm. Do you realize I'm going to take the whole, all sin of the all world, the whole world, all people for all time on my shoulders? Don't you know I'm going to be killed? Don't you know that I'm going to be crucified, even death on a cross? He didn't say that. 
and, he had and compassion on them. Of all people, he could have said, oh, I have bigger things. I have bigger things, bigger fish to fry. We, we can't say that, but he could. <laughs> well, gentlemen, next week we begin that trek up to Jerusalem. Uh, John Tarwater is going to be sharing here starting in chapter 21. I believe he's going to be in about the first 16 or 17 verses. And Jesus kind of ups the ante, so to speak. Can, can you give us a brief idea of some ways we can be preparing for that scripture lesson? Yeah, well, <clears throat> we saw this week in, in chapter 20, verse 18, Jesus saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. And that that should be the focus in the coming weeks. Um, Jesus is going to go into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry, as you mentioned, and then we'll also enter several chapters on uh, the end of days, the disciples asking the end of days. And even as we enter into that, um, it's tempting to take the posture of the disciples of when, when, when is it going to happen? And Jesus's People are still asking that yes, now, aren't we? Jesus's admonition is this is meant to, to prepare our hearts mm-hmm. so that we're, we're waiting and eagerly hoping in his return rather than asking the question when. So hopefully even as we walk through those chapters and then fix our eyes on his humble submission to the Father, we would rejoice in the salvation we receive in him and our hope in him would rise as we anticipate his coming return. That's, uh, that's great, Josh. And some of the thoughts that, that uh, I had regarding this, we're not going to get quite to verse 42, but uh, verse 42 is a quotation from Psalm 18 or 118.22, which talks about the coming kingdom and our salvation. And, and it, it begs us to, to ask the question, um, it, it, if I were to have all of my prayers answered, would it impact God's kingdom people or only my kingdom? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'd say that um, we think seriously about our grace family and and what our responsibility is in that and, and maybe read through Psalm 118. And, and then also maybe pick some members of our Grace family here that maybe stand out to us and commit to laboring in prayer for their joy and maturity in Christ. Mm-hmm. Just think what might happen if we would regularly prayer for, uh, pray for our dear brothers and sisters. And uh, m- may we then increasingly be characterized as people who are cultivating and producing fruit in, in God's kingdom people, which is our family here. May we be those faithful tenets mm-hmm. of what God has entrusted to us. Paul says, let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to enumerate a number of the things that both of you have just said here over the past minutes. Thanks for sharing. Guys, it's good to have you with us. Thanks, Bart. Yeah, thanks, Bart. It's a joy. Josh Taylor and Aaron Cook have been our guests on this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Our topic has been some of Jesus' final instructions to the disciples as he approaches Jerusalem for the final time there in Matthew chapter 20. You can access Grace Baptist Church sermons and podcast episodes on your favorite podcast app or by visiting gracecedarville.org on the World Wide Web and clicking podcast on the media tab. We also encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week by emailing them to contact at gracecedarville.org. That's contact at gracecedarville.org. 
Plan to join us next week. We'll begin to discuss God's word in Matthew chapter 21. And until then, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you for tuning into this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's word.